0: You are listening to episode 76. And I also would like to introduce today the Okiki Video Bootcamp. Yes, I will be launching a course, which I will have a waitlist in the show notes. And I will be launching some group coaching as well. I know there has been a lot of requests lately of people wanting to learn how can they create content for their own brands. And so I'm looking forward to bringing you along in the journey with that. If that's something that you've wanted to gain skills and techniques on, this will be for you. You'll learn systems on how to create content effectively and efficiently, and have more time for yourself in the process while reaching your clients. Again, you can find the information for the Okiki video boot camp in the show notes below. On today's episode, I get to interview a very special guest. She is Vanessa, who is a baker, a caker, and dessert creator behind Foodie Farm Babe. She is an oncologist, pharmacist by day, and cake queen by night. And one of the cool things is that we are both from the same city and as a local, I noticed other local creatives and I could not help but notice the amount of effort that she put into her cake designs, especially on her Instagram channel. With that, she actually got selected to go to Food Network Canada's Season 1 of The Great Chocolate Showdown all the way from Saskatoon, so that's great. And she's also won three best cupcake competitions right here in our city, three years in a row. So I'm very excited to share her story with you all as an audience today. I have to admit this is a really fun interview and you'll hear it (laughs) as you go back and forth on the journey of being a creative in a smaller city. By the way, if you have been loving these episodes, be sure to leave me a rating and be sure to subscribe. And let me know in the comments, how are these episodes impacting you? Are you as inspired as I am when I listen to these guests? I would really love to know. And on with today's episode. Welcome to the OkiKi podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host Fiona Bayan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Okiki podcast. And today I have a special guest, Vanessa Liang, who happens to be an oncology pharmacist, a baker, cake maker, and also <laughs> has gotten into making chocolates of all things. Um, so much so that she's actually on Food Network Canada season one of the Great Chocolate Showdown, and she hails from Saskatoon. So I'm really excited to hear about her journey and share that with you all. And thank you, Vanessa, for being willing to be on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. And so I wanted you to share with the audience, what was your educational and career journey? And uh, especially since you're in a unique situation where you still do uh, your career, but you're also growing a very cool business. So love to hear that insight as to what brought you here mm-hmm. well my first question actually is a question back to you are you wondering about
1: my career as in my real career how I got there or my baking
0: side wildness and how I got there <laughs> or yeah. maybe a combination of both definitely a combination of both because I think we live in the day and age now where, you know, people have their career, they have businesses, they have side hustles, some people go in it full time. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear your perspective of someone who's not on one fence or another. <laughs> for yeah, sure. for sure. Uh, so I mean, I started out at the University of Saskatchewan College of Pharmacy
1: and Nutrition. That's my main career. I went to school to become a pharmacist. And now I work full time as an oncology pharmacist. So I work with cancer patients as well as specializing with uh, kids with cancer as well. So that's my main job, my main career. And then on the side, I want to say on the side, but really I spend so much time (laughs) doing this side thing that it's It's a full, it feels full time, even though it's not. But baking has always been a huge part of my life. And ever since I was little, like ever since I can remember, baking has always, always been a part of my life. Whenever people had birthdays, I was always the first person to bake something or create something to celebrate. And honestly, it's just been, it's always been a part here that I don't even know. I can't even explain to you kind of how it started. Creating fancier cakes has definitely been, a newer part of how this became a side thing, I guess. Probably in my third year of pharmacy school, I think I really started getting into it. And it kind of just took off from there. After I graduated, became a pharmacist, I just continued to create more and more. And I dove deeper and deeper into creating cake art. And now, after being on the show on Food Network, that's kind of how I started into chocolate bar making. And that's been my latest and greatest art form, essentially.
0: For sure. I think there's so many pieces to pick up from that. So especially your area of pharmacy, just to start with, I think that's really fascinating because it's not just, you know, and I shouldn't say not just because pharmacists are very (laughs) helpful in society, but it's kind of beyond just filling prescriptions. Like you're dealing, like you said, with cancer patients and kids. I'm sure there's a layer to that of having some similarities of being interested in like nutrition and ingredients and then the fun side of it too so it's kind of cool to see that overlap and was the cake making kind of an outlet as well as you were dealing with some of these more serious challenges in your actual career?
1: So the cakes that I create, I definitely on purpose think of designs and and try to create designs that are very, very difficult and, and end up being quite stressful in their own way, but it's a kind of stress and difficulty that makes me really focus on it. So the complexity of a design or whatever it is that I'm making that I'm creating, I love that it's so difficult because it really requires me to focus on it so much that it takes my day away. So my usual stresses of my workday, my career, even though I do love my job, it allows me to kind of escape in that way that brings me to another sort of difficulty. I, I can't focus on, on both at the same time because they're both you know so complex and can be so overwhelming. So it's nice to have a different kind of overwhelming. I know a lot of people see what I do and they're like, wow, that's just like so much work and so stressful. And it is. But It is in a different way. It it allows me to kind of, like I said, escape from my stresses of my normal career in my day to day.
0: For sure. Yeah, because that's very important work. And yeah, it was just something that (laughs) kind of resonated hearing your story. And then also in going into the cake making, when did you start noticing that people were noticing what you were doing? I know you said around third year pharmacy. So was it? That's kind of when
1: I started. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what was kind of the initiatives in like showing people like, this is what I do. And where were the areas where you were starting to really get feedback that you're like, okay, I can really grow this.
1: I don't really know. Uh, to be honest. I don't know when that kind of happened. I mean, I would say I really started to take cake making pretty seriously after I really graduated and and got a job as a pharmacist. And mostly because when you want to do really complicated art and cake and chocolate, people forget how much time and how much, you know, it costs for ingredients and really specialty supplies. I mean, people always ask me like, where do you buy this? Where do you buy these types of things for cakes and chocolate? And, And the answer is never here, unfortunately. It's so hard to source ingredients here. Uh, it's always almost always out of province, super expensive shipping, everything like that. So being a pharmacist and having an actual job to pay for my art was... was a big part of when it really, I really got the ball rolling because at at the very beginning, I was like, oh my God, I I can't buy this one jar of luster dust because it's so expensive. But then, you know, having an actual job to be able to pay for that kind of changed things up a bit. So it allowed me to have access to different resources and and different types of ingredients and, and bring really, you know, luxury and fancy ingredients into Saskatoon and use those to create what I'm making at the time
0: cool and I think that also could speak to people listening to this podcast right who have entrepreneurship ideas and I think a lot of times you know especially before the pandemic it was kind of like the all-in was kind of what was advertised to people but sometimes it actually does make sense to bootstrap and like invest in yourself and keep that nine to five and really put in the work like you're saying because some of it just really is high cost to get that quality that you want.
1: Yes, exactly. And and even if the baked goods, the cakes, the chocolate and everything is expensive in a sense, without having that background of knowing how much time and ingredients goes into it, like that number is kind of meaningless. You know, you're like, oh my God, like $50 for a chocolate bar. That's insane. It's like, well, that took me four days to make. So like how how much do you want to be paid for four days of work? Right. And yeah, it's just, it's really hard to understand. And that so many people are like, you know, when are you quitting your day job? I mean, it definitely helps that I love my day job, but I, even if it was in the opposite direction where I, you know, that cliche of, you know, quit your nine to five, go do, your dream kind of thing. In that case, that's still a huge decision that people forget to think about, okay, if this becomes my actual day job, it becomes sometimes your 24 hour a day job and you don't realize that right? When you start to count the hours that you're putting in and the ingredients and the time and the effort, you're like, holy crap, I'm paying myself like $5 an hour, <laughs> right? Like that, that's not something people consider when, when they think of giving up their day job, right? And for me, it's not just the financials, it's that I do really, truly enjoy my day job. So <laughs> I, I, I opt for both of them.
0: For sure. And that's a very good situation to be in. So as you got your career going, you were able to invest more into the cakes and go more into the luxury cakes, especially. And I have to say, maybe I'm not versed in this space in Saskatoon. (laughs) I don't see so much luxury cakes like to that extent. So again, do you feel like for your cake side of the business, do you feel like it started to really take off when people are seeing designs that they hadn't really seen before? Is, is that kind of when you started getting more attention, like social media wise as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Social media wise, I, I think so. I mean. I don't want to say the market here, but like the the population in Saskatoon and kind of what our our genre is, I guess, in cake land it is definitely very different from the bigger cities, right? We just don't have that community or group of people as big of of a community that is invested in things like this, right? To most people, a cake is a cake and they don't really care how fancy it is. And even if it's not even fancy, it can be really fancy to most people already. And and I do understand that. And I think a big part of it was just sharing what I was creating and, and sharing it truly, right? Showing all the processes is really important to me. Allowing people to see what it takes to get from the beginning to the end. Seeing that ugly before getting to the to the really beautiful. And I think allowing people to see that part of the process helps them appreciate kind of how we get to that end point. Right. And like I said, what I'm creating is definitely not for everyone. If not, it's for a very small subset group niche of people that really appreciate my art. And I'm, I'm completely cool with that. I love that. And I only want to be creating for people that are going to really appreciate what I'm making for them at the same time. So it's mostly just word of mouth social media. I don't feel like I really do anything special to kind of increase that exposure or anything. But, when people know they know, and they spread the word on their own, and they kind of let everyone know about that in their own way
0: for sure. And in light of that, how do you stay inspired in that space, considering you're kind of in this niche? And, like you said, maybe not we don't have the same access necessarily to the ingredients like the bigger city centers or even you know other people mm-hmm. to kind of glean off of. So what keeps you motivated and inspired? and, yeah, basically keeping up your craft while you're here?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the power of social media, I have to tell you, (laughs) you basically have access to the entire world, everybody, what they're doing, what they're creating. There's definitely not a shortage of inspiration. I love to follow cake artists from everywhere around the world. There's so many talented people out there. It's just unbelievable. And then kind of bringing it home outside of social media, I actually lean to my husband for inspiration because he thinks very different than I do. We're both very different people. He's a more very logical, I would say, not less creative, but different creative where he will be like, I'm not creative. I can't decide on colors. I can't do this. Whereas, like I said, we're very, very opposite in that regard. But when I'm asking him for inspiration for design, he will come up with something that I would never, ever think of. For example, he would want me to create something that's cemented symmetrical and cantilevers off in in a certain way that would actually be very beautiful as a cake design, but definitely something I would never think of. So there's, like I said, two sides to it. At home here, my inspiration is to look at non-cake inspiration. So my husband is non-cake inspiration. Pottery, right? Glass making. A lot of the other arts can be brought over and incorporated into cake art. And I find that that's probably my favorite way of creating new designs is bringing, like I said, pottery techniques, ceramics, painting on a cake. Painting on a cake. It's the same thing. It's just a different canvas, right? So it's just, there's so many possibilities to pull inspiration from other than just cake. So just because there isn't, you know, lots of inspiration for cake, I can always pull that from a lot of different art forms.
0: That's really cool to hear. And I agree with you. I think there's even some cake influencers I follow and I'm not even someone who's trying to be in that space but simply because, <laughs> because I'm like, I respect the work. But yeah, this one lady, she like used to be a architect. And then she like transferred it into cake making. Yes. And I just remember, I think I've been following her for a few years. But I was just like, whoa, I love people who do things differently. And this is kind of leading into my next question. Because you were part of a reality show. I was watching a totally different one. I think the guy's name is Amri Guidon. I hope I'm getting it right. But he does crazy yes. things with yes. chocolate. <laughs> like unreal crazy. Movie. And I like on like, another level <laughs> came across this show and I had to watch it because I have such respect for people who create art and have talent. And I just could not believe what he was creating with chocolate. And yeah. so when I read your article, I was like, oh, she was also on a chocolate show. And well, <laughs> not the ask- not the same. <laughs> don't um, um, compare me to that show it is not the same she's on her way <laughs> we'll see it through. There. um but yeah like what was the process of cakes to chocolate and the journey of you even ending up on this television show on food network So again, powers of social media. I
1: never did chocolate. Chocolate was never a part of my life. This was not a part of my art creative plan ever. I was kind of going hard into cakes as I always had and like continuing to like, create new designs. And I think the only chocolate thing I really made was my chocolate cake. And that was like a signature thing for me. I mean, it was a big deal to me because I used this main recipe to enter a bunch of competitions locally in Saskatoon. So that was the only chocolate thing I ever did. And a casting director messaged me on Instagram and was like, you should go on this show. And I was like, I don't do chocolate. And they were like, oh no, it's just loosely based on chocolate. Don't worry, it'll be fine. it was not fine. It was not loosely based on chocolate. It was completely chocolate. So that's basically how I got into chocolate, I just jumped right in not knowing what I was getting into. The whole experience was just like a whirlwind. I mean, TV is crazy. It's glamorous, but exhausting. And I learned so much when I was there. And it just kind of opened up this door for me into the chocolate world. And pretty much after that whole experience, I was hooked. I wanted to know more and more and more. And basically, since then, I've been doing tons of extra education, trying to learn more about how to perfect my chocolate craft. Compared from chocolates to cakes, it's completely night and day. Process-wise and difficulty-wise, chocolate is so hard. It's so, so hard. For sure, a lifelong journey. I would say there's so much to learn. It's so difficult and so hard to perfect. So I'm still like, I feel like I'm still very much at the beginning, but that's how I got into it.
0: That's so fascinating. So they saw your work, clearly your hard work on Instagram and thought maybe this person would be great (laughs) For, for this experience and it sounds like you had like this baptism by fire You're just like- yeah literally just throw her in and like see what happens maybe she'll become a chocolatier I don't know wow so that just sounds like a intense boot camp you went through learning how Absolutely. to make chocolate that's and like exactly said, what it was I, I can't even imagine and it's on television and you got on the national and tv the judges. yes exactly so- So first of all, yeah, like you said, that totally changed your process. All of a sudden you have this whole toolkit basically at the end of the day and the processes are very different. I guess my question to you is like, how has that affected, I guess, the vision of what you do moving forward and and what you want to offer? And do you find any aspects of either of the crafts influence each other in the work you now do today?
1: So the way I'm separating it currently is by season. So chocolate is very temperamental that is a pun and only five people will get it that's okay it's not impossible but very difficult for me to work with chocolate in the summer months so at any point where it's too hot and chocolate can melt and I can't exactly control the temperature and the humidity as much I can't really work with it and I mean I could but I'm choosing not to because I still do love cakes and I still want to be able to do them as much as I have been and I've since learned over the last two years of doing chocolate that I cannot do both of them at the same time for risk of my sanity completely going so I've decided to divide them completely I'm doing chocolate in the colder months so I start basically just at the beginning slash end of fall going into Christmas and then I stop just before spring as spring slash summer is coming and then that kind of spring summer season is my main cake season and I don't do any chocolate at that time crossover wise I mean flavor components and and flavor combinations I think is the only place where it crosses over since the technique of each of both the cake and the chocolate is so different it's mostly just the flavor profiles that I'm I'm really playing with and doing combinations with on, on, from both sides
0: and how has the experience of the show impacted you Like I guess confidence and work ethic wise, because I'm sure it was. I mean, you're already working very hard, but I'm sure it was very grueling compared to your your own schedule of. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I would just say that
1: reality TV is not reality. (laughs) To make something truly incredible takes time, and I definitely put that into my own you know philosophy and what I create for my community here. I take my time and I really refine it down to an art and I guess the one thing I would take from the show is that it doesn't take 90 minutes to make what I make and that's not something I want to bring into to what I'm creating because it's not real and it, it doesn't portray an adequate you know picture of the art itself it kind of it kind of dumbs it down right it's like oh you can make this super incredible amazing thing in 90 minutes it's like well you can't but we're gonna make it seem like you can, right? And I don't wanna portray that picture. I want people to see it how it is. I want them to see the process true to how it works. The fact that it does take three to four days of process to make you know, a, a chocolate bar um, that I'm creating. So it, it, the good with the bad, right? <laughs>
0: I'm sure also having had this experience, there's a fair bit of exposure that comes with it. I guess I have two questions. Where can the audience actually find this show (laughs) to, especially if this (laughs) audience listening wants to support (laughs) another (laughs) look? Yeah, two, have people reached out to you in more so because you've been, you know, showcased on this national show up in this way? That's a good question. I don't actually
1: know where you can watch. I I know you can watch it on Amazon Prime if you have Stack TV. So it technically aired like two years ago now, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm pretty sure the finale aired like as the world shut down, and it was really sad because I was having like we we had like screening days. We went out to a restaurant and watched with everyone, and then it was like boom, world shut down, and kind of everything was just like no longer exciting which kind of sucks but now it's just airing it just started airing in the us so that's brand new it's taken two years to get there airing there for the first time on the cw beside like riverdale and the vampire diaries which i think is hilarious like i'm not sure what the audience is going to be that is watching my show now compared to when it aired you know because it aired on food network canada so people that watch food network watched a baking sh- a chocolate show you're like okay one one plus one equals two great and now it's like I said airing on the CW which is like this teenage drama channel That's <laughs> I feel like the teenagers are gonna either like tear love us it. apart or they'll love it who knows I mean I don't, I don't really know I, I feel like I'm so past that generation that I don't know how they would judge us at this point Definitely. in Canada like I said I'm pretty sure it's available on Amazon Prime if you have Stack TV which is like an additional subscription I know that sucks but they have told us that they're still working on a netflix deal so maybe someday we'll be on netflix and that would be totally the coolest they do play reruns all the time on food network and on cooking channel that uh, yes food channel i randomly have people message me all the freaking time being like hey it's you hey it's you and i'm like hey <laughs> That's not me anymore. I that's that's not me anymore. <laughs> You're
0: like, I'm already over that stage. Yeah, yeah, I know.
1: People are like, that is so impressive. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. Oh my God. Have you seen me now? Oh my God. For sure. <laughs> I yeah, don't even know I, if I answered your second question. I I it's gone now.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of, because I was trying to figure out if, and especially knowing this was aired two years ago, yeah. Has that increased? business for you? Has that increased people interested in what you have to offer?
1: You know, I, I don't really think so that much. I would say mostly my exposures from Instagram. And, and, and I don't have a huge audience on Instagram. It's just like Instagram plus word of mouth. People just talk. And I guess I don't really know because I don't, I don't advertise anywhere else. I don't do anything to kind of try to increase that exposure, but opportunities kind of just come here and there. I, I, I had mentioned, I did compete in the cupcake competition at, uh, with the princess shop. So I did that three years in a row. And that I think did get quite a bit of exposure as well. And then I've just kind of done like podcasts, radio interviews, CTV, random, random interviews, just kind of pop up here and there. And I do some features and, and that's kind of how it spreads, I guess. But the show, I feel like the show is forgotten. People are like, whatever, I don't know.
0: Until someone shows you an old episode. Yeah, until they're like, look,
1: I see you. Great. Oh my God. My
0: hair is purple.
1: Uh, It's not me anymore.
0: For sure. No, I was pretty excited. I've always excited to see locals that are featured in something like that, especially creatives from our city. It's always nice and refreshing to see that. So that's definitely why I reached out. And I guess in light of what you're doing today, where do you see this? in like two or three or five years even, especially considering that you actually love your nine to five.
1: (laughs) I know. And I think my husband asked me this like a couple of weeks ago. He's like, do you have like a five-year plan? Like, what, what do you, what do you want to do? And I was just like, oh my God, I've never stopped to think about this before. I've just been like rolling with the punches and like, this is the next thing I'm doing. This is the next thing I'm doing without really like any sort of view or a bigger picture. And to be honest, that is my answer. I have not really thought about a bigger picture. Combining my, my day job and this, I guess, the first thought I think is that I would want to work less. So don't I don't want anyone to get any kind of wrong ideas that I want to quit my day job to do this. It's just that I'm working full time, averaging about, it's like 37, you know, 40 hours a week. And then I come home and the extra time that I have, I use to do, you know, chocolate or cake or whatnot. So the only time I have to do this is essentially nighttime and weekend time. So any of my normal life things like going trying to go wall climbing two to three times a week i play on a volleyball team you know once a week for three hours and then we have you know monday night dinners with my family so it's like there's only a couple hours in my day left that aren't doing any of those things And, and i think that it's not really sustainable for me long term i've been young and great and i still feel young and energetic but i know that this is not something that i is healthy to do for a long time even though I'm like feel like I'm really crushing it right now, I think I need to think a little bit more. If I were to have kids, how my life would look like, and if I were to continue at the pace I am now, what that would mean for my mental and my physical health. So I, I think my goal is between my two I guess careers and passions is is to work a little bit less in terms of hours and just so I can balance what I'm doing in my passion a little bit more because I can stay up till 3am and eat ramen noodles finish the cake and then have a nap for two hours and fit and then like crush the next day but like it's probably not healthy you know like I know that I should like retrospectively look in there and be like yeah maybe you should do that for the rest of your life I don't know
0: that's definitely the challenge like when you're multi-passionate and you're young and you're like doing everything and yeah I can definitely relate somewhat to what you're saying I mean for those of you listening we're doing this at 8 p.m yeah, <laughs> on a Thursday yeah. night <laughs> exactly I'm like, very passionate about podcasting on top of the other things I do. so we sound very similar <laughs> and it's just yeah. a matter of like yeah like you said like reining it in and figuring out okay what do I want to focus on where do I want to balance and all of that so I feel like that's like the lesson of life so <laughs> definitely yeah. relate to that exactly And the final question is, what do you value the most about the position you're in today with your career and these businesses that you get to lead?
1: Well, with my main career, of course, it's just, it's so rewarding. It is truly very difficult. It's regular hours, but long hours in the sense that it takes a lot of mental focus. A lot of people hear cancer and they're like, Oh my God, that's so sad and terrible. And it must be so hard to work. And it's like, that is like just a tiny cherry on top of the ice cream, you know, like that part is difficult. And, and the whole job itself is in itself is is very mentally straining and and mentally challenging, which is a reason why I love it. Right. I, I want to be able to exercise my brain in that regard, but it's just difficult in so many so many different factors right in cake land I guess it's like like I said I bring that difficulty on myself (laughs) but it's such a great way to be able to connect with my community so I've met so many different creatives in Saskatoon that I you know never thought I would be meeting with and partnering with and collaborating with. And that is just so cool. Like I- I'm definitely a people person. I-, I love meeting new people and being able to, to connect with other, even just local businesses in, in Saskatoon is so great because I-, I love food. I love the food scene, the drink scene, and it kind of just all comes together because we all really appreciate great food, beautiful food. And that's kind of uh, what brings it all together for me is having that feeling of being really rewarded by my, my day job and then just feeling so connected to my community with um, my passion that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, very cool answer. And it's it's interesting to see how both have a type of purpose uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in your life for sure. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Vanessa, for this interview and sharing your story. And to be honest, it was super fun for me, too, <laughs> because I, I just felt like there are so many things that are like, hmm, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> She's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so I do thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with the audience today and your journey and definitely Looking forward to seeing more of your work online. And where can the audience find you?
1: Uh, where can they find me? Well, my I only have time for one social media. <laughs> that's what I've decided. That is my like boundary. I'm like one social media on Instagram. And that's Foodie Farm Babe. And that's farm with a PH because I'm a pharmacist, not a farmer. Foodie Farm Babe pharmacist. And then I do have a website, www.foodiefarmbabe.com. That's essentially kind of like a little bit of a portfolio highlights, what I do, what I've created. And that's been kind of my main place for my chocolate bar launches, essentially. So yeah, social media, Instagram, and my website. And that's pretty much it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That was great.